You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So your favourite hour on BBC T- television, Sid Talk, is you, old, you, you want me to say the F word after you say this? Because I will. Is old lady hour. Uh-huh. Sunday, I was just saying, my grandma, Sunday evening on BBC television in England, um, there's two programmes. Number one being Songs of Praise, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's singing to the Lord. Like the choir in a church. And a, and a, a vicar gives a sermon, or a priest, or whatever. And then straight after that, there's a show called Antiques Roadshow that a lot of, of Americans will be familiar with. You stole it from us. Um, <laughs> Steal it? <laughs> Well, the, the F word is got, on the F word is right on the front of my tongue for that comment and for the people who call it what old lady TV. Um, and you you stole our, our um, antiques roadshow and got Marky Mark to host it. How do you know that we got it after you? Uh, I do know that. How do you know? Thirty four seasons it's been on in Britain. I think it's been on here a long time. It's always on public. AKA thirty four years. Long time. Um, but yeah, you stole it, like most things from us British. Yeah. Whatever, F word. You throw us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Is this the before the after show discussion? What well, was before yes. before this before the after show discussion? No, I think this is more hard interesting. drive. Talking about hard drives. I think we'll talk about that later. So, um, today, so basically, you start off by insulting your wife, yes. or using no, no, other insulting. people's you, you fucked said... up view of things to insult your wife. I'm forty. How old am I? Forty-three. You do and like I'm old, old lady. lady. Got the old lady glasses. I can't. I can't deny that. You do. Anymore. You do love a bit of antiques roadshow, though. I love it. I'd watch it twenty-four <laughs> hours a day. And what do I do? I sit there and I'd say stuff to him like, "Sell it, sell it," or "Ah," uh, or oh, "Look how surprised he is." And you actually watch the British and the American antiques roadshow. Uh, do you have a favorite? No, not really. I like them both. You get a different vibe. You know, there's a little different. I was is a bit upper. It's like uh, no, it is not. It's a little bit snotty. Watch there. it. What do you mean, snotty? Um, I always think it's like the kind of... You get of- the guy, right, and the British one, and if they get like a statue or a photo or some, or a photo or picture or a painting of a naked lady, they're always like, oh, yes, well... That's what I mean. We have this sort of saucy all the pe- all the- We'll have to be very careful when we're talking about this. All the you know, people it's like, in um, England who are into antiques are the experts, as they say, is the expert. They all seem a little bit upper class The bottom draw doesn't move Like they're friends with Prince Charles. Not all of them. There's a couple of them. There's one painting guy who's such a snob. But There's also a lot. I love hearing what he There's says. There's also a lot of people who turn up to Antiques Roadshow in the UK version who seem snobby also. Whereas in the American one, they just seem like our average everyday people yep. to me. You don't you get know? a lot of... No. There's not a lot of snobbiness going There's on. There's a lot of snobbiness in Britain. <laughs> no! That's because our our blood is royal. I, I just want everyone to know I completely agree with the snobby part, not with the royal Anyway, part. it's uh, Sunday, March the 6th, 2011. This is after the show number... 162. I don't know if that's right. We could. It could be 163. Let's. No, so, it's in 62. Is it I, so I just put it on my uh, the list I'm making. Oh, okay. 162. The the movie we're reviewing this week is 127 hours. There's a lot of numbers. Going Actually, on. it's 127 hours. There's no and in there, but that's just a technical glitch. 127. Not hours. and. 127. Is the way you say it. <laughs> 
I don't think it I had does. A ma- yeah, it does. Yeah, it does, actually. I had a math teacher once who corrected, I think, me over and over, and I, that's why I well, have that in my head and why I can't send people how about chomping. This? How about this? F your um, teacher. <laughs> 127 <laughs> hours. <laughs> um, so, yeah. 120 <clears throat> and 7 hours. <laughs> yes. One, two, seven hours. <laughs> So, um, yeah, we're looking at the Blu-ray uh, disc of 127, 127 hours. And the, this is a 2010 movie and a 2011. The 1st of March 2011 is when it's released. So it was just released this last Tuesday. So on Blu-ray, it's from our friends at Fox. And the synopsis is... I'll say it. A man gets stuck in a crack. True story. <laughs> it's a true story about a man who gets stuck in a crack. Uh, yeah. And that's um, it. So, 127 hours, Oscar-nominated movie this year, one of the uh, Best Picture nominees. And he was nominated for Best Actor. Correct. Um, What did you think of 127 hours? Did it get a nomination for Best Adaptation or anything like that? It it says it on the cover. Six Academy Awards, including Best Picture, Best Actor. It didn't win. No, it didn't. Six nominations, yeah. All right. What are you asking me? What do I think? What did you think of this movie? What do you think this podcast is? <laughs> Have you not done this 162 times before? Nope, only 161. Bad on that's what she said. I, I was thoroughly, I was going to say enraptured, but that's not <laughs> captured. Like 100% from the moment it starts, I was jaw-droppingly interested. I mean, I know the story. Everybody right. does. I've seen it in the new. I don't. I mean, I don't want to say the whole story because some people might not know. The, Probably should the way it uh, works. just to, cause so we can discuss this. Probably we should at least say spoiler tags at some point because this thing's on. Yeah, talk we're going to talk about how it ends and how yeah. what the resolution of his little. But I think a lot of people know this story anyway. No, not everybody. People might I not did, have heard of it, and I don't even watch the news. Yeah, but not everybody will. But so now, if you don't want to know how it turns out, then stop listening, watch it, and then listen. And I was totally. I was just riveted, not because I, you got the one layer of knowing the true story, and then James Franco is awesome, and then just the con, just putting myself in a completely isolated situation like that, and just thinking about it, like truly, people are in that situation, not just that guy, you know. I am um, one was, of the I things beautiful. Yeah, one of the things that um, I really liked about it is, um, and it's down to Danny Boyle, the director, actually. He, um, even in a movie like this, which from some, if some other directors, not mentioning names, but a different person tackled it, it could get uninteresting because obviously it's static, happens in one place. Um, but Danny Boyle has this way about him of, you know, like the intro to this movie, the first minute, uh, first five minutes, it just gets you into it it's the music's awesome the he uses like split screen effects and all this whole deal um even reminded me of train spotting in parts music choices that he used it, it just had this and then he used um kind of hardcore yeah he also used this like uh there's a lot of like dream sequences or flashbacks or hallucinations in some parts that were awesome they just make and you weren't oh, sure what's what. You're not always oh, sure if it's a hallucination one. or a flashback. So I love that. There's no like, okay, it's a hallucination because it's gray. Or it's a flashback because it's shiny. You know what I mean? None of that. You weren't 100% sure every time. But my favorite one was when he was thinking about drink. 
because he needs yeah. he was thirsty <laughs> and then it was this uh, the Bill Weathers song Lovely Day uh, comes on and um it's this it just looks like this commercial of people drinking well it is almost a, like a Pepsi commercial mm-hmm. or but it's it's it makes you feel thirsty watching it and you, then you can only imagine what this guy was feeling at that point but um it's the style Danny Boyle's style and this movie lends a lot from Train Spotting and um same cinematography Slumdog right? Millionaire yeah Slumdog Millionaire you know a lot of this one you know it it kind of looks the same because it's all in this hole but then it doesn't because of the way he shifts the camera pulls the camera out some of it's from a handheld pr- plays like a with all these spent. different like filters and like changes the colors sometimes and it's just I I Danny Boyle all over this movie I think it's like a you know you know it's done sure um, I love his music choices the music in this movie brought, brought me back to Trainspotting soundtrack it's like punk and um it's like driven music, like driven, parts, driven, driven. Um, techno, you know, even back to Shallow Grave by Danny Boyle, where, you know, it's got a lot of uh, Because the idea is, this is a dude who is driven to... Adrenaline junkie, almost. Um, I'm not sure about <clears> that. <throat> I, don't, I disagree with that. I think it's more of a driven to an individual experiences, because he is what... He does things, like, he goes solo, apparently. The language of this dude who's a climber, and he goes in the into the wilderness and does things, but he's a soloist. He does it alone. He doesn't have help, and he doesn't want help, and he just... his. And then you get the clues through the movie that maybe everybody thinks he's kind of a jerk, but they all keep trying to keep touch with him, but he ignores his family and all that, because he's just on a one-way track on his own thing, right? And so... It, he's driven. Like, there's this thing in his mind and his need and experiences. And that's what the music is doing to me. Like, this, like, yeah, like, pumps you up. And that's, like, you have to then think, this guy is naturally this way. He, he's not like me and you who can, like, you'll sit at your computer for a few hours, maybe doing stuff. And then we're like, let's go watch TV. And we lounge on the couch and it's wonderful. And you look forward to the lounging parts of life, I think. This isn't a guy who does. This is a guy who's like on, on, on. And I think the music and the way the camera, that's what it's doing to me. I and think then that you first get, few minutes and then um, when sums you get all of funneled it. into the... Like when he falls off his mountain bike. And yeah. that's, that's just like awesome that he fell off. Yeah, he's like, like oh. I can take a photo of that. Yeah. And there's another thing to tell people. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you just get that vibe from him the entire time. But um, the direction is what got me. I mean, Franco's performance is good, but the, the direction is... I love Danny but You know, um, A Life Less Ordinary mm-hmm. also reminded me of that. I need a lot. to watch that again. He but... uses a lot of... Um, this, if you look at his movies, he uses a lot of similar techniques. And I think music's one of his main draws. I mean, there's some ethnic music in here mixed with like a techno uh, drum beat that feels kind of like otherworldly. Otherworldly even. Like it's like... I guess that goes with the setting as well, because you're in the middle of Utah. It almost this looks like desolate... some alien planet yeah. sometimes, with the way it's filmed. Um, Caverns and d- desert and... Well, yeah, I... You know, when they when they nominate music for Oscars, it's a shame, like... It was nominated. Best song, remember? They sang it. Yeah, it was, actually. Yeah, um, Florence and the Machine sang it when it's actually a Dido song. So I'm not sure what that... What we're Florence going. from Florence and the Machine, yeah. and then some of the dude... So. Yeah, yeah. Was he, he was, but it's Dido and that's some other dude in the yeah. in the actual movie. But um, yeah, I really like the movie. Um, but let's go into some spoiler territory here. And this woo, 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 woo. and this is where um, I think the movie 
is awesome because I knew the entire story. I know what happens to this guy. I know how it happened to him. Everything. I know. I know all the details actually. So it's not like I was sat there going, "I'm looking forward to him cutting his arm off." Because obviously, <laughs> oh, that's the obviously, spell obviously, I'm not. Because here's what happens: he's out in the desert, out in these caverns, and he's traversing, as what you call it, like climbing down into these cracks in the earth that are about the size of a human, like big giant cracks. But they go is down. It called or something? No, that's cave is caving. It? Um, this is caverneering or. Yeah, that's cavern, what said. Ca- like caverneering. going down in the caverns, which are like these, the way that showed like the real place. Just it's like in hundreds all of the rocks feet, and-, and there's only enough space for you to wiggle through. And then there's like a bottom out, and then it might go further down, further down. And he's climbing; he's wanting to explore those. And then he falls, and a rock traps his hand against the side. Like it fixes him right stuck down the bottom of one. And what sucked I thought the most, not just that his hand was stuck there, because imagine the endure the pain. But like his feet aren't even on the ground. He's on like this crooked rock thing with his feet and then like they you know, then you start thinking of I do anyway. I start thinking of myself. And he in soon that realizes situation. that uh, he ain't getting out of there. Right, there's no getting and- out of well, he's got some options if he wants to get out of there. And he has told no one where he is, and he's hundreds of miles. He's, he's like not got six, a cell phone. He's six not... hours away from anybody, like at all. Like he t- he drove four hours and he rode his bike for four yeah. hours. So, you know, um, that's the setup. He's so, alone. <laughs> so yeah, the true story. He cuts his. The only way of getting out is to cut his own arm off with this. He didn't even bring a good knife with him. But he, he didn't this, do it immediately. That's why it's one hundred twenty-seven. Yeah, he had this cheapy. Um, like utility knife that he Multi-tool. cut his arm with, um, b- yeah, just like a Swiss Army knife, but a cheap version. In fact, it's kind of mm-hmm. funny because right at the beginning, it shows you him reaching for a real Swiss Army knife, and he can't find it in the cupboard, so he doesn't take it with him. Um, but yeah, he, it's very graphic when he cuts his arm off. Um, well, you've kind of cut to the near the end already. I mean, what about the time, the five days? Well, uh, my point was I was talking about um, here, was, Danny Boyle. About how he handles the cutting the arm off. Um, it's done like it's. Some people I imagine can't even watch the scene, right? Because it's really real looking. Um, and I had this like hor- hor- horrible look on my face the entire time. I knew it did. For me, I think if you back up a little bit, there are more horrific things to me. Like his decision to drink his own pee, which. It, it, it at first you go yeah well of course if you've got pee and you have no other water then drink it if you can but the way he does it where he shows it gurgling up in his straw like that's one of his really um, close up Danny Boyle's and then the, his reaction to how horrible nasty it is and even in his circumstance you would think okay just suck it up I'm just gonna drink it I'll be fine but he actually kind of gags on it that made me wince more. Than any other phys- the, in fact, what, I didn't even also have any in the very to beginning when he's just trying to pull it out, and you know this rock has got to weigh thousand pounds or something. I mean, well, I don't, I don't know. He said that, but I don't know. But just to think of that that made me go like, oh, I almost put my hand over my eyes because I thought if you pull your hand too hard, it's just going to rip off or something. And you know, obviously, like his hand probably was numb after about an hour, so like I don't think he felt his hand after that. I don't know. I'd have to read his book. But um. Yeah, the the how he handles the cutting of the arm off is really good. I, I think it was really well paced because this movie's not particularly long. It's like an hour and thirty minutes, but when it gets to the that part, 
and Danny Boyle mentioned something in the extras about he didn't want the movie just to be about this guy cutting his arm. Yeah, but that's kind of what you're doing. That's all you're making it about, too. You skipped no, right to that actually, part. actually, uh, uh, you'll not let me finish. So what I'm saying <laughs> is um, Danny Boyle said that, and I think he succeeded in that, because um, when he does cut his arm off, that isn't the deal. The deal for me was him getting from the crack cave mm. to being rescued. That was a whole... Um, there's an alternate version of it also on this um, Blu-ray. But the version that's in the movie, that was the major... Like, I almost forgot he'd chopped his own arm off. It was just like, in my head, oh, this guy's chopped his own arm off. He Imagine how faint you would feel yeah. or how... Even if you could stay conscious, you know? And he or, then he has to actually get out of there, like you say, four hours. I mean, it's a big ordeal to, to get out. He has to drop himself down on a rope to blow because yeah, where it's he not comes just out, you it's cut like your arm off and you're home free. Right. It's like the, that part. And but then he's dehydrated and he's, you know, four days without food or five days or whatever. So the part after it, for me, and like I know well, he's. What about gonna, not, you're just skipping over the hole up to that no, part? No, because I wanted to. I don't. Well. He's stuck in the thing. He talks to the camera. No, but that's the fascinating thing. Like, what do you really think? And why well, did I didn't he want just to spoil do... the whole thing. Just the end part. <laughs> well, that's why I said the spoiler like, the thing about No, I mean, like... I mean, I said spoiler, and sure. then we talked about the end part. Well, we can talk about the middle part without the spoiler, right? Right. That I just I just said I want to mention the spoiler, and then right. That's all. I didn't miss nothing. Oh, right. They just skipped no, to that. No, I just like wanted that... to mention about him cutting his arm off. But what about the rest of it? Like. Do... Like the thing of like, why didn't he just do it to begin with? Why didn't he? Why don't? Well, I don't think you would as a human. I think that's your very last option. Like, I don't think you'd immediately go, "Oh, yeah, cut my arm off." I think you would like try everything. And it took him a period of days to get up the strength. To, I mean, the first day he was very to lose the strength. Yeah, so I mean, (laughs) you tried. You know, you try the obvious, like tie ropes around. You know, whatever he had, got all the things together, tried. You try the obvious, don't you? As a human, in your nature, you wouldn't go to cutting your arm off. There's no way. That'd be the last thing. It's the most... I mean, it's not easy. I mean, first you'll have to break your arm. He'd have to, yeah. I don't know if every circumstance... I don't think you could cut through your arm anyway. Like I said, you'd need a saw or something to cut through bones. So that's not going on. Like So, no, I mean, the whole journey is good. Um, To me, the cutting off the arm part isn't even... It's just, it's just a blip in it because it's just the resolution to his problem. I think it's the, it is the. I think it might turn it. some people off this movie. In fact, um, if they knew, that's why I wasn't really going to go into it much. But. Well, I, I, that's why I put spoiler tag. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. I mean like like the whole thing isn't about his arm. That's the and that's what part. I was saying. Danny Boyle really did a good job of not making it about his arm, and it and it isn't. I mean, obviously, that's a controversial, um, you know, a gory looking thing to see. Um, but no, it's not about that. It's about, I think, more about... I liked the part after that, to be honest. That was my favourite part. It's, like, really uplifting, the end part. It just, like, brings you... Brings me to, like... You know, we're pretty amazing, like... <laughs> like, <laughs> nice. humans are amazing. You know, um... I mean, not all, not every human is amazing, but, I mean, we're amazing in challenge... When we get challenged... We can well, you know, this this could have ended. He, he was dead in a cave, and somebody found him years later, a skeleton, right? But no, he if he wouldn't have saved himself, he would have been dead, right? There's another dude just uh, also in the last couple of years who cut his foot off or his leg off or something when he'd fallen over the edge of a cliff, or I can't remember what it was, but but uh, I I re- the the last I don't know ten minutes, fifteen minutes 
I think they were really powerful. The, the, the music, the way it was filmed, and it had this, like, uh, kept going out of focus and in focus because it was, like, through this guy's... Whirlwind, yeah. Of... I don't know. I, 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 I don't think I would be that strong. I think I'd have gone unconscious at some point there. But you don't know. No, you fight, don't you, or something. I mean, you drank this lousy water out of this... Oh, God, that was, hor- that was more horrible to me than the arm part, because... All I could think was, oh my god, you're going to need so many antibiotics when you get out. Someone's going to rescue you, and you are going to need an instant injection of antibiotics. Because, first of all, you've been in the dirt for the last five days with your arm all mashed up in there, and then drank his own pee. That's got to have something wrong with it. I mean, you know. Drinking your own pee, because you're drinking your toxins. What Your body pees for a reason, right? To get the crap out of you. So yeah, you you are getting some water back, but you're also getting all kinds of crap that you're not supposed to. I guess to. then your body would just keep filtering it out. I don't even I don't know. know. It's not good. You're not supposed to drink it, right? But um, yeah, it's 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 a good movie. It's really um, Danny Boyle would do no wrong kind of thing for me. The beach. Yeah, not not that good, right? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Again. But not terrible. No. In fact, well made actually, and um, visually interesting. It's just the story kind of fell a bit. The story is yes. Yeah, I don't know why he tackled that story. I I don't don't really know, but I think about Danny Boyle is he's got this sort of hopefulness about him. Like every single time, Train Spotting is an ordinary life. All of them have some sort of like life less ordinary. Uh, Except maybe Shallow Grave. Twenty eight days later. Yeah, I think that's very. It's got a very hopeful thing because it's people trying to survive, isn't it? Throughout through this Shallow Grave is pretty grim. It is. Was there no upliftingness about it? Not really. Not really. It's just a dark little tunnel of... Yeah. <laughs> that's an emotional cavern that somebody's stuck in. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the real cavern that someone's stuck in. A lot of people haven't seen Shallow Grave, and they, they should. If you've not experienced Danny Boyle's early work, which was Shallow Grave and Trainspotting... An ordinary you, life. A lifeless ordinary. Yeah, that was a bit after. But um, there is, those are his first two films before anybody even knew who he was. I remember seeing Shallow Grave, and I was like... This is insane. I'd like to see more from it. The, and then, you know, he became who he is. But, yeah, this this movie was really, really good. Um, it's hard to find fault. It's a true story thing. And it was presented in a interesting looking... I think I think it would have been a lesser movie in some other director's hands, is what I'm saying. Because yeah, but I then think I think he, of, like... Um, what was it called? With the two dudes trapped after 9-11... World Trade Center. Right. And they were just trapped in there. Now, you cut back to their lives back and forth, yeah. you know, to the live, uh, what was happening with their life. Um, but you were focused on them a lot. And that also works. Even in the times when it's just minutes and minutes and minutes with just these dudes in the dark trying to keep alive, um, trapped completely under the World Trade Center after it collapsed. Different director, but a, and a totally different kind of vibe, but it worked. But what, uh, what Danny Boyle does, it's like a, his filmmaking, his editing, it's mainly his editing, the way it's edited and, and put together, it's like energy, like pure energy. Like you're on this, even train spotting, even though train spotting's about people on heroin who, you know, are living some bleak Fall lives. Bleak, yes. It feels full of energy. Like you're. you're if you can be behind people who are taking heroin... And millions. Yeah, millions. But, I mean, if you can be... People taking heroin, it's a grim thing. It's kind of awful, some of the stuff that happens. But for some reason, there's a driving energy right through it that you just with them, like... You that want. must be his thing of 
Want them to Human. succeed or... Yeah, the hopefulness Not there. get bogged down in this heroin thing, but come through it like Renton. And also, the, the honest truth about it, this guy who fell in the cavern, the people in the movie about doing the heroin... Uh, the kids finding the they money. They make their choices... <laughs> Because there is a certain rush and excitement to what they want about doing heroin and being in that lifestyle and, you know, stealing money and all that kind of shit. There's a total adrenaline thing about doing these hikes and things for this dude in the nature, right? So you choose that life because it's excitement. Is that a movie he did? Choose Life is the uh, slogan for Correct. That's right. You choose life and that because... Those things have a... You can't tell a person. I can't tell a young person. Never do drugs and never drink because it's no fun and it's it's a drag. Yes, there's a bad side to it. But I'm telling you now, sometimes you're going to have a good time. And I think he points to the honesty of both of those things. You know, this guy, even at some point, has the revelation. Everything I've ever done in my life has led me to this point. My choices brought me here. It's not been done to me. I'm paying the price, maybe... For this thing that I want, this excitement and this selfish thing. Yes, maybe. the self. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the, heroin, uh, train spotting, totally selfish. Self- yeah, yeah, very selfish. In fact, you know, fa- this and shallow grave, grave, same thing. All about the um, keeping. And that's what I'm saying. Like train spotting tries to show you both sides of the coin. Like heroin can be fun. Yes, it can. Like um, there are parts where you're like, wow, yeah, that's a glamorous, exciting, and glamorous. like it looks exciting. And then there's parts where you're like, like his friend. Yes. Where you're like, okay, there's the other side Take of heroin. So this guy isn't glamorizing it. He's saying that the reason people do it is it's like super good for them. But then yep. eventually it'll lead to, and same with this guy. Um, what's that called? Something, you make a choice, you pay the consequences. Yeah. That's it, really. But through it all. Even if you make a choice that sucks you so dark, so dark, so far down in the dark. You still can choose to come out of it, stay alive, and make better choices after that, maybe. But this guy from this movie, the real guy, kept on doing shit. But he learned lessons about letting people know where I'm going. Don't shut everybody out all the time, because then I'm totally isolated. So Being I think, a bit more responsible. Which is the... Well, I think, hold it's on. not irresponsible if it's that, just your own self. That's the but. lesson that uh, Ewan McGregor's Renton character in Trainspotting learns, also. That the... He, he comes through. It, you, you don't finish watching Trainspotting and go, you know, okay, everything's good and happy ever after. You just wonder. <laughs> but you think, like, maybe he learned a bit. Because he does try, doesn't he, in that movie, Renton, to have a life away from it all, but then Begbie drags him back in. I try to get out and they suck me back in. But, I mean, you know, he goes to... London and get, goes to London and gets his own flat. Yeah. And it's like, I want to be a normal person. I want the person... I want to be the person who has the big TV and the and the couch. But, but the reality yeah. is, I don't know if he is that person anyway. So no. at some point he has to balance it. Just like this guy from this movie. He goes on and still he Because has that's who he is. It's in... Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, but you still, you pay the price sometimes. So I think there are life. parallels to all of that. The reason that Slumdog Millionaire even... The, the, the subjects yeah. Danny Boyle tackles... Even when you go down to a zombie movie, there's a thread definitely going through there. Yeah, yeah. Which I didn't realize. He's kind of brilliant. Yeah, (laughs) he is brilliant. He is. What's the next one? What's he making next? I have no idea. Um, So let's move on to the uh, cast of this fine movie. Oh, he's just going to sleep. Oh, we. Oh, let's move on to the cast. Uh, Not much of not many people in this movie, to be honest. But um, James Franco is basically his movie, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. 
He's on the screen Definitely. every frame. Not everyone, but a lot. Very close, right? Um, and he plays Aaron Ralston, the real guy. Um, it's gut-wrenching at times, and you get lost in it. I got lost. Excuse me, I got lost in it. So I'm not thinking, oh, this is James did, Franco up close. Did you think uh, it should have won the best actor? Or do you think I Colin didn't see Firth all the movies. was good for that? Um, the only thing I could say about Colin Firth is he had to really, really learn about the character he was playing, like actual mannerisms and whatnot, to pull that off. And that disability. To pile it on. Yeah, to pile on all the different things of a real person who did exist. James Franco had to... I mean, there were lots of moments when he's kind of staring a little tiny bit off away from the camera and you feel like something's really ticking in there. Like he's contemplating life and death and all that kind of stuff as a character. And still I was convinced he was the character guy. So, I don't know. It's a hard thing because it looks hard to do. And some people go, all he had to do was stand there. Well, yeah, but... He had to, everything was up close. Uh-huh. There was no way to run. If no. he had come in and been saying some lines that weren't quite as gut, you know, like on, a, I don't know how to say it without sounding corny, but. I just think it's, I think. Um, I feel like Keen's speech deserved it. I'm also thinking of um, Jesse Eisenberg from The Social Network. I thought that was an outstanding performance. It's really hard to pick somebody. It is. Because they're all good in their own way, aren't they? I mean, Social Network's a completely different film to The King's Speech in 127 Hours, yet. Yeah. I think it's if awesome. you just take away the thing, though, if you just say, okay, who had to bring something on top of just being, like, this is a 20-something young man, and in your Facebook one, it's like a 20-year-old young man being a 20-year-old young man doing his thing, and but bringing the attitude and certain characteristics and emotional moments, that's one thing. But in the King's Speech, Colin Firth has to actually emulate a thing that you know, I don't know if that counts for more points or what, yeah. but it seems more difficult to me. Like, you know, I don't know. I was saying about, just a, on a side note about the Oscars, I was listening to a Kevin Smith's um, Plus One podcast, and he actually said on the podcast, if you go and listen to this week's, um, he said to his wife, I can't really comment on who, I've, which I feel is the best film, because I'm on the Academy, um, you know, I vote, basically. And then a little bit later in the podcast, straight out of his mouth, she says something and he says, I haven't watched that one. <laughs> and this was the night of the Oscars. And he had 127 hours. He'd not seen it. So, in my opinion, somebody who's voting on the Oscars who hasn't seen one of the movies and give his vote to a different one, how can that be right? I mean, that just... That's why when you ask me who to, to pick a movie, I say I can't because I haven't seen them all. I, just, I can choose I, from the ones I've seen, but I can't say who should win. I don't know if that was a slip-up from Kevin Smith to say he didn't watch one of them, but I wouldn't have admitted that. Oh, come on. There's 3,000 people in that academy. They don't all watch all the movies. No. It's not right, though, is it? I mean, you should have to watch them. One category said... You um, had to come to the screening. Yeah, you had to, to come vote. to the private screening. Was it the short to the documentaries? Can't remember, but um, documentaries, I think. Yeah. So then you didn't get to vote on them if you didn't go and see them with. Like them. you went there, you watched it, you voted. That was the, right. Yeah, that's good. But there again, if they do that for the best picture and most of them don't bother going, then they've got like a very small number of people voting. True. So yeah, who it's knows? a sham. Kind of. <laughs> So um, I think that I wouldn't be the first one to say. Second that. person I put down is Kate Mara as uh, Kate. Well, we got Kate Mara and Amber Tamblin as um, 
Christy and Megan. You forget the blonde chick. She's in there more than them, really. Yeah, I didn't. I wrote that list before we'd seen this movie, but um, they he meets some girls, and there are real life girls who he met. Didn't go down quite as the way right. it did in the movie. Danny Boyle wanted to make it visually more interesting, I guess, than him just meeting some. Not girls. just that, but he said like I wanted to let people know this guy, he is a risk, risk taker, yeah. and people in his life have a problem with that. Like at one point, one woman says to him. You, a little piece of us dies every time you go out there. Well, we have to understand why. And when you see this scene, and you, if you were like, okay, I'm gonna tell my, I'm gonna show my mom me doing this crazy shit, and I'd be like, oh no, honey, please don't do that again. So I think he just wanted to show us in a very kind of exciting way. This guy, there's nothing that stops him between the impulse and the doing, and he just does shit. And that's why when he gets stuck and stopped. You know, you're, it's even more, like, oh, jarring to everybody. I do like that scene where they yeah. drop in into the cave. People must do it. I mean, he Danny yeah, Boyle sure they... didn't make that up. No, I don't no. know, but... Well, I'm sure people do that. I mean... It looks like something. I mean, it's there, isn't it? The, yeah, but the... imagine just bonking your head and we'd be dead. It's very easy to really Shit, hurt yourself, yeah. yeah. Um, so, directed by Danny Boyle, we all know what he's done. Um, British director. Obviously the best in the world at directing British. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, you gotta... Oh, because your favorite movie in the world... Your two favorite movies in the world, in fact, are totally British, aren't they? One was made in Britain. Magnolia. Star Wars was made in Britain. But yeah, but it's not directed by a British person. Had a written lot of by Brits a British on, person. Had a lot of Brits on hand. Yeah, you're just dredging up from the bottom. But yeah, Danny Boyle, he's, he's um, one of the... Like when I say Paul Thomas Anderson's one of the best... Um, American filmmakers. He's one of the best British filmmakers, no doubt. David Fincher. You love him too? American. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm just saying. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Danny Boyle is... I just can't wait to see what he'll exactly. do Exactly. I always am. And it surprises and I know, me. Like, and I, I know it'll be something that I absolutely have no idea. I mean, like, I, it'll be just something out of the blue. Some I'll be like, story wow. that, he go, that he gets a hold of. Because, and- like, Millions is an awesome movie. Um I had no idea he was making millions, and then it cropped up, and I was like, "Oh, is or Slumdog Millionaire?" I didn't know anything about that till it was a new right there. Danny Boyle movie, and you, then you watch it, and you're like, "Wow, that was not like the last Danny Boyle movie, or the one before it." The Although he does have, he's got his flavor in there. He has a visual thing. Yeah, yeah, which I think Train Spotting is the most visual. Train Spotting nails it, but I'm not sure if it's just down to him. That's cinematography. So I think his well, he's, his dude. he has these dudes, doesn't he? Who um, are the ones he works with all the time. Um, so extras on this Blu-ray. Excellent extras. Yeah, I mean the perfect extras. extras for me. If you say to me this is based on a true story, I don't care that every detail isn't from the true story. You know what I mean? Like like he made up a couple of things, and you don't even need the blessing of the person it's about. I mean this guy happens to be alive and well, and he was on the set and approved whatever. That's fine. That's a beside the point. But when you tell me it's about a real set of people. Yeah, and if they're living, or there's someone living who can in real life who can tell you about this story, that's what I want to see, and that's what he gives us. That's uh, why it was my favorite extra. I actually uh, really love the cover of this movie. I do too. too. Um, I do too. I'd have that as a poster. It's very un. It's like everything I hate about movie posters. It's not. <laughs> it's too not much, James Franco. words, but, but it's not James Franco's face close exactly. up or anything, which it could easily have been. It's a man in a rock. It's yeah. It's it's just real. It sums the movie up completely because uh, the book that it's based on is called Between a Rock and a Hard Place. Right. Um, so extras on this two disc set. When it says it's a two disc set, the second disc is a digital copy, so I don't really count it as a two disc. Liars. Set. So 
Um, one of the features is 127 hours in high definition. I don't think that's a feature because that's the actual movie. Um, there's a feature commentary by Danny Boyle and Christian Coulson, who's the producer, and the co-screenwriter Simon Bufoy. There's deleted scenes, and the deleted scenes are great, actually, and they, mm-hmm. they total about 30 minutes worth if you watch them all. And there's a ex- uh, alternate ending, which I... I'm glad wasn't in the movie, but I really enjoyed watching. Me too. Me too. Because when when it came up, the blacks they come up with the slide and says alternate ending. We looked at each other and said, "What? What? What? How can you make him? <laughs> what are you going to kill him off?" Because it's very different it's not ending. It, may, it changes the vibe. I think. Um, I don't it's like it. It's a very extended. Yeah. Extended ending. In a bit fact. too much for me. Like it's too much information at the end. Yeah, because it starts to focus on something other than this dude getting stuck in a hole and having the will to live. And get himself out. That's really all it should be about. Yeah, and, and this focuses on too much of the after. aftermath. Yeah, um, resolving all these things. For that, it's perfect as a deleted scene Correct. because there's a couple of really nice performances. One where he's with his sister playing the piano. I really like that. And the one where he goes to see his girl in the. Mm-hmm. Those are some nice little scenes that you it work perfectly in. A, it's an alternate ending. It's almost like uh, when Tom Hanks goes to see Helen. What's her face? You know, after, um, for me, because it kind of remind it doesn't put me in mind of, and I should have put that as my recommendation, Cast I'll away. add that, Castaway, that when he gets off the island, yeah, that's the I want it to me. end. Yeah, me too. So when he goes to see Helen, what's her face, and then... I don't need he, a wrap-up. Then when he's going to go see Shania Twain out in the desert, I don't need any of that. I just needed to know how the, the dude's conflict... Ended. And when he either died on the island or got off the island. That's all I needed yeah, to know. I did, I, and that's what this ending does. It makes it a bit Hollywood movie of the weeky. Yeah, it did. And yeah. That's, why, that's what I'm saying. It changed the vibe. And I'm glad Danny Boyle kept the vibe of energetic, even to the end. The guy's like limping with his arm cut off and it's still got this uplifting music and it's fast-paced. I like that. I mean, you still get the end of him swimming and then the people on the couch. And I really like the very ending where they actually give a nod to the real guy yeah, that's yeah. Perfect. It's, perfect it's almost like there's no other way to do it but imagine if you didn't story. know any of the backstory like you just go in because it's a James Franco right. movie you don't even then know then it would other. seem You'd surreal be like, or something f- yeah. who's that guy <laughs> <laughs> like surrealistic kind of deal uh, but yeah I really liked the alternate ending but I'm glad that it stayed as the yeah, alternate ending yeah me too um, so yeah really nice deleted scenes not just the alternate ending there's a couple of us um and the other extras are uh, this one called Search and Rescue, which is actually fantastic, I thought, because it's the true... Absolutely. All the stuff that's not covered in the movie, because in the movie you see it from um, the perspective of um, Aaron. Um, He's stuck in a hole. Stuck in the hole. You don't know if anybody's coming to rescue. You don't know what's going on on the outside, you know, but this fills all of that yeah yeah but with the real people yeah the mother and the friends so you find out like you know he didn't turn into work for a couple of days you find out that the guy who was working with him started to figure you know try then his mother was like like Columbo yeah she she was was, man I'm calling all the people who are in charge of these lands I mean because he's out in a place that's not like it's not inhabited it's not anything it's just overseen by almost the reason those people were there like, I mean, the reason the helicopter turned up and all that sort of stuff was partially down to his mother. Because they were searching for a reason, right? I right. mean, they were searching for him for a couple of days, right? So, so yeah, this search and rescue, 30-minute long, 
Everybody. Absolutely brilliant. All the real, the real people. guy. Yeah, real re- policemen. The real, real guy. Yeah, even. the real guy. <laughs> his mother, the police people who are involved, the, uh, his friend from work, the whole thing. It's all pretty awesome. Um, exactly what I wanted because I was exactly. like, I want some of the real stuff, and that was the real stuff. What was it? The American Gangster when they showed behind the scenes, and then the dude that the dude was based on, one of the dudes, you know, he's friends with the, the two dudes, the yeah. actual gangster guy and the reporter. Was it a reporter or whoever made friends with them? In the movie, Reported. there were two. Yeah, right. That was American. And the real guys yeah. on the set, and you got little tidbits, and I love that because the real dudes are really alive, you know, and they're there as what do you call them, like um, uh, consultants or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, you know, yes, everything gets exaggerated and turned around in a movie, and you get music, and it's all wrapped up in a short little, you know, 127 minutes instead of 127 hours. But you know, if you're telling me it's a real story, I want to see the you know, the either the real person or some exactly clippings or some news pieces or something from it. And then uh, the there's another feature, which is another 30-minute feature. And this covers the making of the movie, and it's called 127 Hours, An Extraordinary View. Um, one of the most personal kind of... Because this is a, a movie where they made a fake canyon. Cavern. In, cavern. in a cavern, in a... Warehouse. Well, warehouse, and then basically, you know, 90% of the movie is shot in this little tiny confined space. And it shows you how hands-on Danny Boyle is. I mean, he's literally... Reminiscent of the other two directors we've talked about recently. Fincher, right up in there. Yeah. Every single move. And then who was the other one? Who's right up in there all the time, like, telling them every single move to make, and let's do it again, let's do it again, let's do it again, let's do it again. can't remember who it was, but this is the third one who's... Right in there, and like he's, he, Danny Buzz, uh he's real. Like he feels. Things. Yeah, yeah. He's That's like he, I, he's like a teenager to me when he talk when he's talking he's and he's all, like, when he's watching on the little monitor while they're doing the arm cutting off portions. He's like yeah. he's like leaning back in his seat, like and everybody's and he's just like, oh god. If you're oh. all having that reaction while it's being filmed and you completely know it's fake, yeah, and you're you know right there with the guy who made the latex yeah. nerves and everything. So I like his um, approach, and I think. The reason his movies and other people's movies that we that we are drawn to, they're just into it. David Fincher's totally consumed when By he's into his movie. What it is like? Yeah, like Wes Anderson movies. He's told he's all, his finger is on every single thing. But and this I is think, a really good. You literally feel like you're on the set with him yeah, for totally. minutes. And James Franco puts some input in there about the acting process, um, which I think was probably pretty difficult because like it was a lot of. But then again, as an actor doing that, I would always have to think, there's the real guy who went through that shit, like, just over yeah, there. Yeah, I can. I have no excuses Nothing. to whine about standing here for two hours, In tired. fact, my, my <laughs> comment to you was, um, that guy, I bet that guy wishes he had craft services, like, just yes, a tiny... exactly. <laughs> like, you could open a curtain and there's a big table full of food. Because <laughs> that's what it was, this fake place. It, it and, he, like, and it was actually a fake arm, and yeah. he could just let his arm out every once in a it's while. It's just funny when people pop their heads into where James Franco was being filmed, and they had, like, a plate of food and stuff. I was like, but he wishes... I bet he dreamed about that. Like So, yeah, it was an interesting behind the scenes. It gives you some perspective, yeah, on your own life. Come on, let's be honest. Like, um, well, if you're a- standing in the kitchen, like, right after this, right after we're done, we'll make another cup of tea, right? And I'll make supper. The importance of that, water. That two minutes that we wait for the tea to steep or whatever, sometimes you're just like, come on, fuck, this isn't taking too long. Why do I have to wait two whole minutes? 
And your tea is right there, and you're in this comfortable house, and it's like, it, seriously, the level of our tolerance for in not being comfortable is, like, so low. Yeah, it really is. So and that when you're put in that situation... Even Franco says some stuff to Danny Boyle, like, I'll give my all on this scene, but I don't want to do it over and over again. Yeah, I'll... And I'm thinking to myself, you should do it all... <laughs> You've got the guy, the real guy, with, like, his arm missing, I mean, his hand missing, on the set, watching you... You've just got to put yourself through as much as possible. This guy, this guy chops his own hand off. You can't, you can't say, well, I don't want to do this more than twice. I mean, to be honest, when he does that thing where he's hitting it with his shoulder while we were watching he was it, giving, he I was, thought, man, he's got to be bruised. He or said they, he would beat himself up for that. Yeah. Like, um, when he when because I think Franco was kind of saying to Danny Boyle, I'm literally going to hurt myself here when I do it. Not because because what he wanted him to do was try to, to move real. the rock. And the rock is real. We'll, we'll trap your arm for real. Yeah, yeah. It won't. You can't get your arm out. It's impossible. So forget that. But try and get it out. So, and try to move the rock and really yeah. go for it. And he does. He doesn't just do the kind of fake actor. Oh, he totally. And I'm thinking, if you lift his sleeve and up it's right not a now, polystyrene rock. No, if you lift his. Well, that one was actually. But what he was bashing against. They made it hard. Yeah. Really I mean, hard. Yeah, but I just imagined. So I like hearing that process because on one hand you can go, what a douchebag. Like why is he? Why is he whining at all? And then you think, right, he's just making a movie. and He's also trying to gauge what Danny Boyle wants, exactly. True. And How intense do you want me to if be? If he wants it really intense, then yes, you can have it that way, but I can't do it five times. Yeah, and don't I... throw away my efforts. Like, if I am really go for it, and don't, don't then go, do okay, let's take. do it again. David Fincher's a guy who says, do it again, do it again. That's yeah. the one. He, he would do it like 99 times. times. <laughs> Crazy. Hopefully James Franco never does a David Fincher movie. No, I don't think he would bad. have the patience for and that. And just, just as a side note, why is douchebag a bad thing to call someone? I, I mean, know. all it is is a thing that's full of water or some kind of medical thing that cleans out a woman's lady garden. Why is that bad? I don't know. You have to ask the inventor of it or whoever said it. I mean, think about it. It's like, I can understand calling someone an asshole, and that's like not a pleasant thing, is it? I mean, asshole is like... <laughs> Natural thing also, right? Part yeah, of your body. But you think about it, you know, I mean, shit comes out of your asshole, so you don't, you know, I can understand that. Being so when you call somebody an asshole, you're saying that shit is, com- like, shit. You're full of shit, it. or you're just an asshole, you're a nasty, grubby thing, but a douchebag is just a thing, like a bottle or a bag full of liquid. And the purpose of it is irrelevant, so... You have to go to urbandictionary.com or whatever it is. No, I want the- people to tell me why that's a bad thing. Alright, so um, in conclusion on this movie, it wasn't Oscar nominated for nothing. I think you should see it. I think it will... If you haven't if you haven't watched it and now you've listened, you kind of know the whole thing, but it's totally I worth it. I think it's inspiring. I think it's... What does it inspire you to do now in your life that's different? I don't think it's... I, I, I think it makes you... Me, personally. It doesn't make me inspire me to do something different. But personally, it inspires me to... Um, Think about like, like I said earlier, how amazing we are. Like as a, how resilient. Yeah, really. Like you know. And yet, poor Emma, or what's her name, uh, Liam Neeson's wife. You know, she's skiing. She hits a tree. She banged her head. That was her she only had no injury. Though, right? I know. What I'm saying is, she banged her head, and there was no other thing wrong. But because her brain was banged just hard enough, then she died from it. Now, this guy fell down in a cavern. This guy could have banged his head and that would have been game over, right? As well. True. Immediately. But then my mom's dude, you know, that she's, you know, uh, 
shacking up with? I don't know. He's 75 years old, jumped out of a plane in the 50s, uh, training to go... Paratrooper, yeah. The the chute didn't open. He landed on his feet, broke both of his ankles and legs, and lived, had pins put in him. And And another person could do that and just be dead. So... Yeah, you're resilient, and yet we're su- our life is super delicate at the same time. But I think uh, it's inspiring. I think it's really well made. I think it, you know, showcases Danny Boyle's visual style for sure. James Franco, possibly like his, like the best role he'll ever get. Oh, I disagree. Oh, I think it's a. No, I disagree. No, I think it's awesome, but I don't think I don't it's the best role he'll ever I, get. I, mean, I think that um, it is a movie where. I don't think there's many movies where you get to showcase your acting talent full on like that. Like just you. Yeah, but camera. I don't think that's the best role we'll ever get. I mean, it's a iso- it's an it's a very specific thing. It's going to be different than any other role, but it's not like the best. That's it's like the best I've that's seen. That's like from saying him, so give up. I'm not a massive fan him. of him, and it's the best one I've seen from him. Right, but I really, I really, I don't want to claim. In that fact, he's never even been. No, I, this is me. I'm claiming this. It's not. <laughs> he's, I mean, you can say what you want. I'm saying I've not. This ne- is the peak for him. I've never. Yeah, I think so. And I've oh, not. God. I've not been a fan of him in the past at all. I can't think of anything where I've said, "Oh, James Franco, he's awesome." Maybe James Dean story. Academy Awards. You liked him on the Academy Awards. <laughs> um, you did. Yeah, I thought they were, I, th- I thought it was. Uh, they were pretty good. Everybody hated them. I loved it. They're not going to get. It. They're not. The trouble is now though, because everybody said it was the shittest Academy Awards ever and all that. Even the like the news and everything, the Oscar people are going to listen to that shit and not have um, different people anymore. They're just going to go, oh, let's, let's get Billy Crystal, or let's get. The you same. don't do it again. Well, let's he get. Says. Let's get Chris Rock. Yeah, whoever we've had before, it was all right, you know. Chris Rock wasn't beloved or anything. Oh, I thought he got a lot of shit. It. No. All right, Ellen Degenerate. How about nobody? They just have uh, every segment. I wouldn't be happy with nobody. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, every segment, people. you have people come on. A different actor, actress who's been nominated or who's in the part of the Academy or whatever and says... It doesn't need, actually, a, a, just a, a host like no. that. No, it doesn't because all everybody is a film star who comes up anyway. So you're always like, oh, here's, um, here's Gwyneth Paltrow. Here's... So, yeah, why... When they you... have the... When they have the hosts stand there and go, here's they Paltrow. change their dresses and everything, they change their outfits and everything, then they go, and now, here's Gwyneth Paltrow. And then she comes on and she goes, and now, here's so-and-so to... Here's Steven Spielberg. <laughs> to give the award. And then you're like, you just... That's a little extra. But I still loved it. I can't deny. So, um, yeah, this movie, great <laughs> movie. Uh, highly recommended. Um, anything else to say about it? Well, let's do recommendations first. Um my recommendations for this uh, week are Into the Wild, because I feel it captures the spirit of this guy. Yeah, totally. In a different guy. Another, another true, true story. story. With a different kind of ending. Yeah, it's, it's very, if, I think, you know, they're very different movies, but they've got the same spirit. Um, and I highly recommend it. There's like a movie. primal human thing in these people that they, they don't let the drudgery of all of our trappings slow them down. They are driven to do things in nature yeah. and for this thing that's bigger than sitting at your desk all day typing in stuff. It's like out and about. Into the Wild is really good. Yeah, it's directed by Sean Penn. Um, it's an oh, amazing movie. Uh, second one, how can I... If it's a Danny Boyle movie, and any Danny Boyle movie... If we're reviewing a movie by Danny Boyle next year and we, it's something else, it will be um, this. I'll give this recommendation: Train Spotting. It's the first 
Well, no, it's the second Danny Boyle movie I saw, but I'm in love with that movie. I think it, to this date, to this day, is a masterpiece. I think it's his masterpiece. It's, well, see people again. Say, people say it's Slumdog Millionaire. I don't think so. Again, you, you're letting, you're having someone peak, they might as well just give up. Like, no, I'm, not, I'm saying, I'm saying of what exists. Okay. Right, <laughs> people say it's Slumdog Millionaire. I disagree, I think it's Trainspotting. I really do. Because it's, it's, so re- it's so real, you know? Um, it's real and fake at the same I mean, it's real and fantastical at the same time. Mm. And mine are... This last week I was watching one of my recorded Antiques Roadshow, American version. And for some reason when we record it on Media Center, it always adds about 15 minutes at the end and about 15 minutes at the beginning. I tell it to. Do you? So you don't miss if it, if it, if it right. runs wrong. Right, well, it's... You don't have to, but I always wondered why it did that. But at the end of this one, it and the end of it, it always goes on to the next show. And this next show was a documentary about, um, it's called, it's a series, I guess, called American Expressions Documentaries. And this one was called Triangle Fire. And it's about, um, at the begin, like in the beginning of the 20th century in America, it was total industrial shit going on in big cities, you know, New York, Chicago, whatnot. And in New York, they tried, you know, workers tried to get better working conditions and they tried to strike and then women's unions tried to start all this kind of stuff. But then at some point something goes wrong and these two dudes who owned this company called the Triangle um, Factory, they made waste, uh, the things that sucked women's waste and not a corset, but there's this other, there was this thing back then that made your waist super skinny, like part of your dress, not your corset, but something else. And they would actually lock the doors to these women's factory up on like the a high floor of one of these buildings lock them in because they didn't want them stealing thread they made the women pay for their own thread if they got injured they just had to keep working all these terrible things right so they'd lock the doors and then one day a fire started and of course no one could get out and barely anyone made it out alive and this is a documentary with loads of pictures and about how that correlated with the beginning of a more like headed toward workers unions and workers rights and a whole different vibe when it came to like, cause there were 14 year old, 13 year olds working there and stuff. And you know, it was really well done. It's called triangle fire. And, um, I saw the little beginning of it and I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if that's on Netflix. And I was on the couch with my laptop. It was early morning. You were asleep. I just got off work. So I turned off the TV and I'm like, look it on Netflix. I'm like, Oh, there it is. I like how and you turn off it. the TV and watch Netflix on your laptop when the TV also has Netflix. Because <laughs> it's right here. I'll turn off. I'll, I'll, <coughs> First I'll, of all, I'll turn off the fifty-one-inch TV and watch <laughs> the movie on my yeah, because it's right here. Screen and I can put my headphones on so it doesn't disturb you. You know, so whatever. But it's a called Triangle Fire, and the other one is a movie that you directed me to. It's a short movie by the woman who made... I didn't direct you to it. I directed myself to it. Oh, right. And then you directed me to it. Yeah, the director is called a- uh, Andrea Arnold. She's the director of the movie Fish Tank, right. which we've actually recommended a couple of times before. It was also nominated for Academy Award. But the deal is, um, Fish Tank was the USA uh, release of Fish Tank on Criterion DVD, uh, DVD and Blu-ray was like last week or the week before. And one of the extras on the DVD and Blu-ray, of th- there's three extras... Uh, is a last uh, three short films that she's made um, Milk. Milk Dog and Wasp which is and you like, watched Wasp and then you were like you, I wasn't here when you watched it and you were like okay we, we're gonna have to watch this you are gonna be glad that I've told you to watch this so then we sit down and you're like we're watching it now because I, I watched watch it, it twice again. this week and it was it's just brilliant it's like you if you liked Fish Tank yeah. and you've seen 
If you haven't seen Fish Tank, go and see it. But if you liked Fish Tank, I personally think if you're going to buy Fish Tank on this Criterion edition, these You'll three movies, them, it's almost you? like you're getting too awesome. It's these awkward, uncomfortable, unsettling, a little bit uplifting, but mostly... Oh, and now what we get out of 127 hours about people, the uplifting, the spirit, and like we're so we're we're incredible creatures, and then her movies kind of I just <laughs> kind a, of show you the other I side. The thing about Danny Boyle's movies, it makes you think that we're not great; we're pretty awful. He has numbers in his titles a lot. 28 days later, 127 hours, millions, Slumdog Millionaire. Was <laughs> the beach? Oh, there you oh, go. Train spotting. <laughs> well, those people who train spot. A life less ordinary. But there are some numbers. Um, yeah, but this the Andriano's work is all of it. Um, I've I actually, you know, what was awesome about it. I, I'm a big fan of her now. I think everything she's done, I've seen, is awesome. Right? And there's a movie that I haven't seen by her. I feel like I've got a little gem now that I can go because <laughs> uh, I got it this week. So. Um, and it's I can't remember what it's called but yeah go and look her up Andrea Arnold Wasp oh, amazing oh, well it won an Oscar and uh, short films don't get enough you know. that's what I said you review we should watch the shorts and yours you can and never that. find them though I mean they're Netflix, extras so generally I guess on DVDs and stuff you know like tucked away in the like that short film that we saw on The Square yeah yeah the short film was awesome that's another movie The Square the Australian movie yeah. The Square if you get the Blu-ray, there's an awesome short film on there that actually blew me away because it was like so well done. You know, sometimes you, sometimes short films are not. I wonder how, like, say right now, okay, we just had the Academy Awards, and it's on my mind to watch more films from around the world, more shorts, more animated shorts for sure, because I would love that the artwork. How do you, how do you seek them? I mean. Uh... How do you seek them out without pirating them? That's one of the things. Because, that because like, you can't get them and then you go on the web and you type them in and the only way of getting them is like downloading them. How, do you, even, how do you even know they exist, though? Like, yeah, I can put that. animated shorts and you're going to get a lot but of... Sometimes it's hard to even just get them. If you say... I mean, well, how do you even know they no, exist? I mean, it, well, say you saw on the Oscars, there's mm. a film from Brazil, it's animated, and you went, oh, I like the look of that. Then you type it in Google... The only thing that comes up is like download the AVI off a torrent file, off a torrent site. You you don't ever see like oh here's a here's a channel or a thing. That so you shows... think Netflix would be really eating that yeah, shit up? Yeah, you like... think there'd be a short section that like everything. Maybe under... there is. I haven't looked, but no, there isn't. I, I've looked and there's not. Like, and is there? There's got to be some kind of like film association. And one of the problems or... with Netflix is they don't have the extras anyway for the movies sometimes. So if you do go and watch Fish Tank on Netflix. It's on there. You don't get to see these three awesome... I know, but those three might just be their own. In own. There are shorts on Netflix. I'll have to look. But I guess uh, any kind of art theater that's near you, like we have Ragtag Cinema in Columbia. I mean, they might have access to more... We have There are two film um, festivals that happen in that town every single year. And surely that group of people have access to... Like if I'm a filmmaker and I'm making a short and I start taking it to festivals and whatnot. And at Sundance. And then I'm going to you know get nominated for Academy Award. Why? I belong to something. Don't Why I? don't um, cinemas, like they used to do in the old days, attach shorts to features? Mm-hmm. Like So if you turn up 20 minutes early, you see a short before the feature. That would make sense, wouldn't it? Cause like, yeah, man. You know, Wasp could have gone in front of 127 hours. It doesn't matter. It's just a, another drama, a, you know, life drama that would 
fit, people might dig it. And, but then and the people who made it then would get to some, you'd pay them, obviously, to use their movie to show it. And, you know, Because in the old days, that. you used to get a shot in front of you. Next movie. year, at this time, I will reveal how, during the year, I have been able to watch. <laughs> this is my premonition, or my prediction for the year. I'm going to watch more foreign films. Without pirating them. Without pirating them. I'm going to seek out more animated shorts and, and maybe some associations or. I don't know. I mean, I don't make them myself. So how do you crack into that world? Is what I would like to know. I'll figure it out. You mean how do you buy DVDs of shorts? Not just buy them because a lot of these short filmmaker people they just put them on their websites to watch. Like a couple I've seen just like in I've the last also year. seen a lot. It, sometimes when you look short films up and you go to the website, they'll say send ten dollars and we'll send yeah. you a DVD. You know yeah, yeah. that that does happen occasionally, but sometimes they can't do that because they don't have the. They're thinking of selling it to a distributor, yeah. so then they can't sell it before. So it's just random. That's the thing. Like, yeah. There's, yeah, I'll try to find out. So, yeah, there are um, recommendations for this week. Um, next week's DVD is the movie about the Jewish culture, Judate. <laughs> no, it isn't. No. I say, you know, when you said to me, it's not Judate. But then you heard somebody else, a British guy, say Judate. That's just the way we speak. So you're calling it J-E-W date. It's just the way we That is not correct. Ju- it is D-U-E. Like a due date. Like your bills right. are due. Not that date. you have some particular <laughs> ethnic past. It's not, past. not going on a date with a Jewish person. Not that. No. But it could be. You never know. We don't know what it's about. So, um, yeah. Um, games and A. Scully stuff for this week. Um, Oscar night. I think we kind of covered it in our... Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else to add on Oscar night? I really enjoyed the Oscars this year. I was actually irritated when you pointed out to me, and I'm I'm kind of um, it's kind of shitty that I didn't notice it. But you said there's an uproar because they didn't put like Corey Hain on there and somebody else. And while Corey Hain is not like you know, some people would be like, oh, that guy. But I'm telling you now, if you grew up in the '80s like we did and you watched some things like Lost Boys, I think it must. Yeah, and they didn't put him on there. And I said, you know, Heath Ledger died in the drug memorial section. Yeah, in the dead yeah. people section. There was also was another included. lady missed off because she was controversial in some way. But um, that's one of those things that you know I, they can't be perfect. It's ridiculous but though. If somebody, if they've got a list of famous people who have died, just put them on there. And if you have to be in some kind of club or whatever, I don't know, some you have to be a member of the academy to be mentioned on there or something. No, no. Or you have to be in a, have a badge. Sag, what is it? Sag. Well, he would have. Yeah, I know he would. I'm, I'm saying yeah. maybe he didn't or something at, at no, the end did. there or whatever. But um, other than that, I like it. I know that it's a bunch of people licking each other's asses and they're doing nothing more than pretending to be other people and writing stories and telling stories. I do feel like, though, you know, it's a throwaway thing to pat everybody on the back and go oh what a good job you did pretending to be this other person oh you're wonderful right and you get paid millions of dollars to do it but let's be honest in our life what would our lives be like without things like movies and music and video games and sports even though I'm rolling my eyes when I say it and then in those industries in those worlds people like to know they've accomplished something or achieved something or whatever you know so I get it I don't believe that it's 100% accurate I believe there's a lot of, like, bullshit that goes on with who wins and whatnot, but that's just what it is. Don't watch it if you don't like it, and if you watch it and don't like it, just don't watch it again. I like the pomp and the circumstance, even though it's I liked it. It felt, it felt really brief to me this year. I know it was three hours. Well, we watched it without commercials. Yeah, but still, it's 
still felt briefer than uh, it kind of flowed along fast you know and they didn't linger could have done without Randy Newman singing what did I say when the, what did I say when Randy Newman came on the stage kill you now I don't remember <laughs> I said fuck Randy Newman <laughs> I said, oh no, he's going to sing a song that sounds like the song from last year. Yeah, it could have been. That's nice. You've you've got a friend in you. Yeah, whatever. I believe. Yeah, but he sings nice songs. But you just you just it just all sounds the same. I was saying, if I was going to listen to an album of his, I think I'd kill myself by the twelfth track. Well, by the the third track actually. (laughs) You know, I'd be like. On, the fam- on Family Guy once, they made fun of him. They had him sitting at a piano under a tree outside, and there'd been like this apo- this apocalyptic thing happen, and he's singing. But all and they're walking, and the other characters are doing stuff, and all he's singing is like exactly what they're yeah. doing. And she's like, "Randy Newman, are you just singing exactly what we're doing?" And he's like, "I'm singing exactly what." It just and it all sounds like yeah. you've got a friend in me. Yeah. yeah so yeah, my worst Family Guy impressions ever. Yeah, pretty bad. So um. The game, one game I've been playing this week, because uh, I have been actually obsessed redesigning the website pretty much all week. Like, so I've had little gaming time to play. I played a bit of Call of Duty, but the the new game that I've played this week is Fight Night Champion, which is the new boxing game from Electronic Arts. Um, I said to you last week, it's the first boxing game from EA that's got an M for mature rating, and they've got a story now. After playing it for a couple of hours, I can tell you that A, the story's kind of crappy. It doesn't really matter that there's a story. I mean, I was thinking last week to you, I like Fight Night, but it's just you fighting these random dudes. You were thinking to me. That sounds like I was thinking it's just you you fighting these random dudes uh, going up this ladder like you're doing in a real fight and ending up the champion of the world. Well, if you added a story to that, it might be more interesting. Something to do in between the levels see what's unfolding now it's like really stereotypical story there's a fight promoter and there's a chick who this guy fancies and, and there's some prison thing going on there's a pri- he's in prison at the beginning there's a brother who's kind of a bit edgy maybe he's going to turn on you or something it's really not well written kind of I mean the, the, it looks good and everything but this, I could take a leave of the story in fact I was getting to the point where I was like oh can we just have the next fight? Because I'm sick of this, listening to these people. So that kind of means, in my opinion, that maybe you're best to leave the story out next time. Because, or make it good. Yeah, or make it good. I mean, some people might like it, but it was a bit too basic for me. It was like, I can tell what's going to happen the minute you show me the guys, you know. There's a trainer that's exactly like the trainer from Rocky. Might as well, <laughs> might as well be that guy, yeah. Rocky! <laughs> yeah, so the game's good. Um... One of the things I have a really big disappointment with is there's this new view that you view the fighting from. It makes it look really realistic. The camera's really in close. Half the time, for some reason, the referee stands right in the way of the camera. And do you know, like, when I'm playing a game and you walk past the TV and you kind of want to, like, kind of lean to see? (laughs) No, I never do that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you want to, like... (laughs) Move your head so you can see around you because you're like, oh shit, I'm missing the action. Well, I feel like I'm doing that the entire time watching this game because this ref keeps... It's like the ref's walking in front of the screen, you know? And I'm like, I can't see the guy's head anymore. And then he he kind of stands there sometimes with his back right in the middle of the camera. I don't know why. I mean, in other games in the past, if the ref's in the way, he kind of goes see-through. So 
Well, that's not very realistic. <laughs> it's better if, better if you're playing. Though. It is if you're watching Space 1999. Yeah, they but it's like... better if you're playing to, to for him to go see through. Because, I mean, Jesus, you've got to see what you're doing, right? So it was really getting on my nerves. It was like 75% of the time I've got this ref's back in the camera. I know that is realistic. And maybe adds an element of like, oh shit, I don't know what I'm doing now because I can't see. Well, no, because the referee would never be in front of you. No, he wouldn't. I don't, I don't get <laughs> The referee it. would never be between you and the And fire. yes, you can change the camera angle. Uh, and then the referee doesn't get in the way. But the default camera angle that they want you to play with, because it's the cinematic camera angle, it makes everything look really cool. The ref gets in the way. Annoying. Um, aside from that, it's a great game if you like the Fight Night series. It's not a lot different... They did take away a few of the things. Like last year they had like Haymakers, which is like the super punch that you build up and you can knock somebody down in one punch. They've took all that away now, which is kind of weird because like that really worked well. I don't know why they took that away. You know, it's like a super move that you build up. Because it's not realistic. Hmm. Like you got this stamina going and then you suddenly could pop somebody down. But aside from that, it looks spectacular. Um... I just don't think the story was needed. I mean, it sounds like a good idea on paper, and it did to me last week until I experienced it. So, that's Fight Night Champion. It's available on the 360, the PS3. And, what? I just, hate, I just don't care about boxing games. No, it's, it, yeah. if you like fighting games, it's good. I wish I could use my... Um, it's kind of a funny thing. Um, I wish I could use my fighting stick for the boxing game. But there's too many controls. It uses both triggers, yeah. both sticks. There's too much for a boxing game. So um, that's... And I played one more game, and I played that today briefly, so I can only comment briefly, but the, on the Wii, the Bit Trip series, the final game in the Bit Trip series, and there's been six of them, I think. Bit Trip Fate? No, it's not Bit Trip Fate. It's Bit Trip Flux. Fate was the one before. Um, it's interesting, because it goes back to the first one, which was Bit Trip Beat, which was like Pong... Do you remember when mm-hmm. you tilt the controller? Well, this is a revisit to that, but it's all pumped up. It's like the graphics are better, the, there's more power-ups. It's really, really hard. It's like one of the hardest games you'll ever play, but it's really fun. I like that series, the simplicity of the series. So I've played it briefly. As far as I can tell you so far, it's really good if you like the Bid Trip series. Um, and finally, because we talked about Wasp and Dog and Milk... Quieter computer. Yes. So you can explain about that. My quieter computer? Because it has bothered me for how many years? Oh, as long as we've lived here. Five years. When I come into here and wake up my computer, it's like, wah! The screeching noises and whirring fans, and I just hate it. So that's one of the reasons why I got a better laptop, so I could not always have to sit here. So then finally last week I said, just order it. Fuck, I can't stand it anymore. Get the new fan, examine what you need to, and of course you're brilliant and you figure out what I need. Short from buying... The what's it called SSD drive, which I have in mind. Yeah, the like no moving parts, you know. Short of that, Got I ordered a new drive, new power supply, new fan. I believe I don't even know. That's what, all I we, just told you to order. All, no, all we bought was a new. Um, it's funny how hard drives have changed in the last five years. Because if you've got a hard drive from five years ago in your computer, it's like which you did. Plus, the interface has changed from IDE to SATA. They're much faster now. They're almost silent now, and... I mean, I still hear it, so I don't know what I'm hearing. 
Well, you, you're in air. There's still funds in there. Right. Right. It's just not, it doesn't yeah. have that squeal and it doesn't have that whoosh sound. I mean, you still awesome. have to have a fan in your computer on the, on the CPU, unfortunately. I mean, you do. Like, it's a fact Yeah, of I mean, we've got the home theater PC, which is fairly, almost silent completely, but it doesn't have a graphics card that is like it's got mine. three like fans the in fans. there. Yeah. But they're just... But yeah, it's... um, It's lovely and it's faster and you did the reformats and... Yeah, I didn't want to reformat, but there is, is a lesson for you all. If you've got an old computer and it's got a IDE hard drive, which is the big grey ribbon cable style hard drive, and you want to replace it with a new SATA hard drive, if you're using cloning software to clone the image from the old one to the new one, it doesn't work because of the change in interface. But clone it anyway. Because yes. then when you reformat, you've got everything. Yeah, exactly. But, or, but the actual just straight I was going to say, or hire a husband who can do it for you. <laughs> I didn't hire you. I'm just no. saying, have somebody very, very, very well informed on this. Don't take it to Best Buy or some shit like that. Get somebody you truly trust or do some research yourself. I mean, a lot of research before you go because you could lose everything. Like, if I had been doing it or taking it somewhere else, they wouldn't give a shit about no. me. How many images do I have? I have 40,000 images. Yeah, you said today. You and were... I have a backup of them. But it's like, that's the backup. I want the original and the backup. I don't want to lose anything. And if you take it to Best Buy or they've got, what, Geek Squad or your local PC guy or whatever, you know, it's a touchy thing. Just be very careful. And so far, it's been fantastic. I need to set all my settings and make sure everything's customized. I mean, your computer will just be better overall because yeah. it's been also been reformatted. Which... I haven't tried The Sims yet, oh. so I'm anxious to try that. But you did install all that for me again, redownloaded it all. Yeah, I mean, all, all, you bought, all you actually bought was a new power supply, and a new fan for your CPU, and a new hard drive. That's all you bought, and it really makes, makes a difference. Yeah. And, you know, you got to reformat for free. So yeah, yeah quieter. You're cheap. Com- you're cheap. Quieter computer. I don't have to pay you like a hundred bucks an hour. No. Quieter computer is awesome. I love it. And now I don't feel. Now I only need to get rid of this suck ass chair. I just hate this chair. My chair is starting to wear out. I mean, suck ass chair. I sit on my chair a lot. My arms are all falling apart. I've got duct tape all over. It's because them. you do that. You do this all the time. Don't mm, stop touching it. And no, my uh, elbows <laughs> being like bony or something ended up going through the arms. Yeah. That's what happened. So um. Yeah, that's my stuff for this week. So what have you got? What's for dinner? What is for dinner? Talk. You actually suggested in part this. We kind of collaborated. We're going to have a boboli crust pizza. You know, buy the, the the fake crust. And on top of that, there'll be some sauce, some pineapple, some fake chorizo sausages from which Smart really Life, like. which are really good. It's like vegetable sausage, whatever. It's kind of spicy. Soy sausage, isn't it? Uh, I think it's vegetable and maybe soy. I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to slice it up in thin slices and lay it on there. Cheese, pineapple. A little bit of cheese, a little bit of pineapple sauce. I got some banana pepper to put on my It's actually side. pretty good, like Italian sausage and pineapple. I think yeah, really I well. think it would be really good. Because yeah. what I did, I bought a whole pineapple the other day, and then you chopped it up last night while we were watching... Space 1999. <laughs> a TV show. It's really awesome. I'm I, totally into it. Like A TV totally. show I was brought up with, basically, Space 1999. is a British sci-fi TV show by the creator of Thunderbirds, if you've... Many people will know Thunderbirds. Um, but it's not miniatures and puppets and stuff. Martin Lando's The Star and Barbara Bain. Um, it ran for two seasons. Um, I managed to get hold of the two seasons and we watched the pilot and the and third I'm totally episode. And ca- I'm totally... It's like 
Because I love Star Trek. I love Star Trek both. I love the new generation, the original Star Trek. It's funny. It's it's cheesy. It's unintentionally funny occasionally, right? Yeah. Because it's 70s, right? And so there's this overdramatic mixed with the cheesy sci-fi. I think the funniest part for me is the weird lingering shots of Barbara Bain. (laughs) Where she's like... She just looks like... Sometimes, And like, they put that 19... Okay, and like in the 30s and 40s, they started doing this glamour, like, glamour light that's shown just on someone's eyes, particularly in like film noir and whatnot. And then this is the 70s, but we're carrying over two people who are stars started in the 50s and 60s, and we still get this sort of weird Vaseline-looking... Like, and, and she's this got this expression on her face, like... she's like just she's puzzled. Puzzled, and then her eyes go up a little bit, so she's troubled, and her eye and her but mouth But there's, there's also some like scenes where Martin Lando, the hero guy, will say a load of stuff, and while he's saying it, instead of looking at him the entire time, they'll look at her yeah. for a little bit too long because like she doesn't have any expression; she's just got a straight expression. And then you're thinking, why aren't we looking at Martin Lando? He's saying stuff. He's all animated, and we're looking at this woman. <laughs> she's who's not just reacting. Not at all. Like, it's so, not like she's. Put, it's almost like go back to 1910s and 20s when they, when the woman would put her hand up on her forehead and the tear coming down. Okay, yes. it's not that. It's like the. It's like the the drab one of that version of that. So that's funny. But the but idea it's of really space 1999. Is, is Let this, me say it because because yeah. this is my segment and this is my perspective because you watched it already. I've seen all of it. Right. Not, and not, as a kid, recent. so it's nostalgic to you. To me, it's brand new, right? Right, right? And I've watched loads of sci-fi. I've loved Star Wars, Star Trek, all that over the years. Doctor Who. Doctor Who, but that's only because you brought that to me. But I mean, it's all kinds of space travel, spacecraft, spaceships. This, they're on the moon, depositing nuclear waste that the, at this point, 1999, the Earth is overflowing with, apparently. And we've been depositing it on the moon. Something goes horribly wrong. And on one side of the moon, it starts to explode in in this process, it pushes the moon away from the Earth, and it becomes its own sort of, like, it's the inertia or whatever happens in space. It just keeps going. And now the moon has is just floating through space away from Earth. And you get little glimpse. So far, we've only watched two episodes, so don't tell me what's going to happen. But you just hear a little bit of what's happening on Earth through, like, a news transmission. And now you've got 311, minus one, people <laughs> trapped on the moon. Yeah. That's hurling through space. I was, was going to say, imagine Star Trek, but they're not in the Enterprise. They're on a moon <laughs> that, yeah. f- that flies through space. It's not flying, though. It's just I mean, moving, moving through space. Yeah. Very, I don't know if it's So moving. you're on the moon. You have no resources. You have nothing but what you have. You've got an installation of buildings, and your lifeline is there. And you've got space your Space Station Alpha. Space Station, yeah. But it's really, it's really, I get a little lost sometimes. I had to kind of stop a couple times and think about what they're talking about, but I caught up. No, it's, uh, and we also, unfortunately, the way we got, we saw episode one and then episode three. So if we watch episode two tonight, maybe we will find out what happened to the guy in episode <laughs> yeah. one that I said, where'd he go? Because <laughs> somebody's The guy missing. from Hellboy 2 who plays the older guy with the uh, horns on his He's head. He's a big deal in the first episode. And then when we watched the third one accidentally instead of the second one, he was nowhere to be seen. Because he's like an early version of the Paul Reiser aliens character who's the yeah. company man who's worried about the bottom line, our investors, this and that. Human lives are kind of irrelevant. It only matters about the money kind of thing. He's quite a menacing... He's younger than obviously they make 30s 40s maybe at the time and he's got dark hair and a mustache and a beard and he looks sort of he looks like he stepped out of gladiator or he reminds me of the guy from superman the bad guy from superman yeah a bit not 
Luke. Luke. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah the guy in the tight yeah, yeah. suit with the dark mustache and the black hair. Yeah, but it's really good. So I can't wait to watch more. I just am like. And now we've got forty-eight episodes of. And that'll make me then want to go back and watch Star Trek again, which I can watch all of that on Netflix. I, and I, I love def- Star Trek. I definitely Trek. do want to follow through, watch all of uh, Space Nine 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 because I know some of the things that happen just from remembering them. I mean, I watched this in nineteen seventy-five. For Christ's sake, this won't take the shine off. Or no, because I really enjoyed it, and it. The things I love about it when I was a kid, which was like the costumes, the the costumes are really kind of funny looking, aren't they? You know? It's just so typical. The spacesuits are funny. awesome. I loved the actual spaceships. The other episode we did watch, the, t- the second one, which is actually the third one, is quite deep. Yeah, it is. Exploring, contemplating death and inevitability of death and what your life was worth and if there's a god and all this kind of stuff but it's done in that sort of cheesy sci-fi but then sort of the on the tale of the 70s 2001 druggy looking weirdness yeah like Star really Trek good. but when I said um, really ambitious the, um, when the commander steps up and gives a speech to everybody it's always really a downer very depressing it's always like hey everybody we're all gonna die we've got two days to live <laughs> And I said to you, look on the bright side. He <laughs> always say, like, in two days, yeah, we, we'll probably all be dead. And then someone asks a question, he goes, well, then it'll be one day. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, like he's no, not very inspirational. No, it's not 127 hours. That, or no. day, yeah, hours, that's for sure. <laughs> he's just like... He's no Danny Boyle. If Danny Boyle got a hold of this... We you're all going to die. Live with it. Why not? <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty grim. It's a grim... But it's good, it's good. I'm, I'm sure. excited to watch another one. So, yeah. Anything else? What else for supper? Avocado and tomato. <laughs> yeah. Avocado and tomato salad. <laughs> and then, what else do we have? Oh, jeez. Oh, pirate booty, which I just ate a bag of, which I love, the aged white cheddar version. It's these crispy little, what does it say? Rice and corn puffs. Pirate's booty. It's really good. I'm just recommending it. Pirate it's a little pricey, but when I think, I'm just going to get a bag of snack. Why is it pricey? There's a bunch of crumbs in there, so don't tip it over. It's just because it's in the health food section for some ungodly reason. It has no trans fats, none of that. It's not healthy. And it's from Pirate Brand. But I can eat the whole bag for like 500 calories. There's an awesome, um, <laughs> there's an awesome picture on the back. It's got a pirate. Your, your average pirate, he's got like a, a little blade and a spade. He's digging in the sand. And his thoughts are, Arr! He's thinking that. And his other thought is, Crunchy. <laughs> Look on the front. He's on the front, too. Is he on thinking the, front, the same he's shit? thinking, that be good, and shiver me timbers. <laughs> he has a lot of thoughts. Never says it. Just thinks. Yeah, they're all little cloudy things. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But I'm just saying, on the front it says, yes, it's baked rice and corn puffs, all natural, gluten-free, uh, trans-fat-free. Frat. They're not vegan, so don't be tricked into thinking they that. they got cheese in They them. have real cheese on them, I believe. I don't think they do. Yeah, let me look. I don't think they do. I think it is real. It doesn't taste real to me. Age white cheddar. They're not going to say that. But anyway, it's just a good little crunchy. And it's really good with beer, by the way. The snack is made from... Unfortunately, I ate them all. I have a beer and I haven't... Oh, yeah. The snack is made from rice and corn blended with real aged white cheddar cheese. Okay. It's not vegan. So, you know, if that's a thing for you, don't eat them. They have a corn... uh, Crunchy corn stick as well. And I don't know what's in them. Um, Does it have a pirate that goes, ah? Yeah, because it's pirate booty. And another thing is tomorrow, well, in just a few hours, actually, I don't even know what time it is, I will be having, last week I had my mammogram. It's 108. Where you get your boobs smashed in a thing, and you have the boobs smashed in a thing. And it's funny, because I've been emailing this friend of mine and her sister, 
every day a recipe, a picture of something I've drawn or done, and now I'm into this self-portrait thing every day. And she also, the friend of the, the sister of the friend, also emails us something every day, something she finds, a poem or a clipping or something like that. And she sent a thing, and it's a limerick, you know, where it's like, I knew an old man from Nantucket, da 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 that thing. And she says, write one back to me if you can think of one or find one or whatever. And so I, it was the day I had my mammogram, so I wrote a little limerick about having a mammogram. And it was quite funny, and I would repeat it to you here, but I forgot it. But that's just how inspiring I am. <laughs> how inspired I am by the thinking that the mammogram is nothing. Like, it's hardly anything. Yeah, a stranger's going to touch your boobs and put these little stickers on your nipples and stuff. But you know what? Who cares? She's a trained professional. She or he is a trained professional. It's a They've got the lighting down kind of low in the room, and she's very nice, and it's warm. She's always got warm hands. Why is and, the lighting low to be a bit romantic? Um, I don't <laughs> think so. I think it's just I'm because gonna, you're exposed. You're going to put you're some taking, stickers on your nipples. You take off your bra and you your like shirt. like soft music. <laughs> and you put on this little capey thing or one of the other hospital shirts. You know, I always put the cape on because I think I don't normally wear a you cape. You want to look like so a superhero. Kind of exciting. I even took a picture of myself in the little dressing room. Not with my top off, but with the little cape on. And you go in and she, the first thing she does is she flips back the cape and she holds up this thing and says, nipple markers. <laughs> and then there are these like band-aid shape looking things that you they got a little piece of metal in them and they put them right on your nipple so that when they do the x-ray they know your nipple obviously is going to show up no it's just that your nipple is going to show up as a darker spot and this mark so they don't mistake that for a, you know a tumor or something like x marks the spot like pirate booty correct oh yeah the treasure's for right pirate here. titty all the treasures right here baby Not booty. i've taken off the nipple markers but i think you could find them if you look really hard and then she puts um what they call skin tag markers and they're a circle sticker with the hole in the middle it has a little metal band inside apparently and they put that around any moles that you have because those will also show up on an x-ray as a you know trouble spot or whatever and the thing is it's like really i'm 43 and this is when you're recommended to go when you turn to your late 30s 40s or whatever once a year you go if anybody's so modest or so embarrassed that they don't want their tits hanging out breasts boobs whatever you want to call them for like 10 minutes to check you just to be sure there's nothing wrong with you that they can find yeah it can miss things or you know have a false positive or whatever it's just a tool get over it who cares if someone's touching your boob? Don't be embarrassed. It's your body. They do it every day. They don't give a shit who you are. She's going to move on to the next lady after you leave. She's not going to sit there going, oh, those are really weird looking boobs. She doesn't care. She right? might. She might take In her mind. <laughs> she and the other mammogram people get together every year and go, oh my God, you should have seen these boobs. Seen a right pair of spaniel's ears today. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, if that's the thing that makes you uncomfortable, like my insurance covers it. So I understand if you don't have insurance, um... Find a way. You know what I mean? Some communities, some cities have free mammograms for people. Some hospital systems do it. I don't know. If you have insurance and it's covered under your well-woman visit, do it now. In Even a few if you hours, don't, do it. No, it's very expensive if you have to pay for it. So oh, I understand. Just die, just die of them. Well, no, because you can't just go, oh, I think I might go get a, paps, or a mammogram just in case, and I'll spend 300 bucks. I mean, yes, it's a good idea, but if you have the opportunity, just do it. If you're if someone's handing it to you on a silver platter and you're embarrassed, isn't there get um, the stick out of your ass and go? Three times where they would let some cities, some I was hospitals. Say, they should be. It just depends, isn't. yeah. Because um, and then in a few hours I'll be going for the pap smear, and that I have to say is not pleasant. Well, you're going at really early in the morning, like nine thirty or something. Hmm. What time is it? One a.m. Oh, good. I'm, I have plenty of time. And um, 
that I, I'm not I'm not so fond of. And it's not because I'm embarrassed or anything, because who cares, right? It's just your body. It's just that it's very uncomfortable, like physically uncomfortable for me, because my left hip and that muscle that's torn in there or something, when you put your feet in the stirrups and you have to lay a certain way, I, I get really bad cramp up through the side of my groin and down my leg and I'm like shaking every time like my leg is kind of shaking and she's like are you okay I'm like is this <laughs> no not really and there's no other way to do it it's not like I can stand up and she can just <laughs> reach up in there squat down or anything so that's why I don't find it pleasant and she tries to make chit chat and she does like the breast exam where she feels around you know and she tries to there's a picture of George Clooney on the ceiling for some reason. And I always say, can I, you moist. Can, I get, can I get a picture of my husband to put up there, please? Or something else. Maybe George I, Clooney. Last time I said, can I get a picture of a plate of lasagna? Because that's something that would hold my interest a lot better than a picture of George Clooney. I wonder if Clooney laughed. knows that he's on the roof. <laughs> See, we should write to him. And and it's like one of those glamour shots of him, you know, like with his eyebrow up. It's just it's, that's weird. So it's comical. But the uncomfortableness and then... If you do have anything ever wrong with you, which I did a few years ago, and then had to have a biopsy, which turned out to be not good, and then end up with a hysterectomy, right? If you ever have to do that biopsy thing, this is, it's very unpleasant. But, go through the pap smear to find out, make sure you're okay, and then, you know, cross the other bridges when you get there. But do it if you have the chance, and if you, you know, I wish there was some way to ease that uncomfortableness, but it's just physically unpleasant. I don't mind just my doctor looking up in there or anything that doesn't bother me at all. The cranky thing that they put in and then they crank it open. It's like this weird device from like torture days. I swear to God. Somebody invented it to torture women. And now they're like, hey, it works for this too. I mean, that's, it's, imagine it. Imagine if someone put that in your your butthole and then they cranked it open. (laughs) I'm just saying. It's unpleasant. But it's a thing. It's a tool to figure out if you've got... Anything going on with you? All right, let's wrap this sucker up. We got to ninety. Right, go. We got to ninety minutes, almost as long as that guy was stuck in that hole. <laughs> well, you know, in in the movie. In the movie. Um, all right, so um, I want to remind you about our websites, uh, aschoolie.com, the all new redesigned aschoolie.com. Is it completed? No, 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 no. The design is. You're just updating all the posts. I am. Yeah. So that um, everyone can go and read the how many? Four hundred different reviews. Oh, written, more than that. Written reviews. It's nearly. 600. Actually. And these are handwritten, hand, homemade, <laughs> all natural, all organic, right, so, local. <laughs> um, and you can visit your website, sidsaw.com, the completely unredesigned sidsaw.com. Correct. I like mine the way it is. Um, you can catch us both on Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, YouTube. You can catch this podcast on the Zoom Marketplace, the RSS feed. Just go to ascoli.com, click on the word podcast. All the subscription details are there. Or the iTunes Music Store if you're an Apple kind of person you can also email feedback to me aschoolie don't email Sid Talk and stay classy um, unless you have some horrible pap smear stories to tell stay classy Mr. Danny Boyle um, interested to um, in fact after this podcast I'm going to go and look what his next movie is because I'm sure it's in on IMVB already right and I I'm going to say think for yourself everyone because if you don't do it someone will do it for you <laughs> <laughs>